You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock. Wednesday afternoon edition of the show. Hope you're doing well. Oh, so Marcus is conspicuously absent today. Yeah, I noticed that. Now, do we think that Marcus is, A, really under the weather as he claims, B, drowning in his sorrows after a misplayed Valentine's Day adventure. Ooh. Or C, reveling in the glory, the afterglow, if you will, of a well-played Valentine's Day adventure. No. No. I'm going to go with B. I think he's depressed. I wouldn't say depressed. Unrequited love. He's probably not wanting to answer questions from me and you today. Did, did not and he, get. He thinks that if he comes in here tomorrow, that, well, oh, he's he's going to dodge the bullet. Yeah. You think he uh, got You're struck not. by Tony Vitello's little Italian Cupid? I don't know. Love advice from Coach. That was a that was pretty interesting. What was it? Always hold the door open. Hold the. Uh, he's a big door holder. Door opening. Door holding. Yeah. Who says chivalry's dead? Not yeah. with one Anthony Vitello. Well, I mean, he told he he's told us before. I mean, he grew up with a bunch of older sisters, so I imagine he's he you, you just if you have an older sister, you start off a little bit better trained. Yeah, I, I just I did not have older or younger sisters. It was just a just house of dudes. Long. Yeah, I had, uh, two younger brothers. My dad, my poor mom, just <laughs> ran roughshod over being the only female in the Smith house. But it was it was bad because I just had no experience with the fairer with the ladies. And, yeah, and and it showed for a, for a good long, long time. while, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Wonder how Benny Slots fared as well. Hopefully, we will get the full update tomorrow from our crew. But uh, no. No, Marcus. Today we've got Chloe helping out here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Your boy will be in attendance tonight for the first time. People have been asking. I keep saying, you know, I haven't been to a game yet this year, so I can't really comment on the atmosphere, what they've done with the student section and all that. Right. The The streak ends tonight. I had tickets to Mizzou, but, you know, that whole thing with me and crowds. And- yeah, it's weird. So, I'll be out there uh, carrying the fan run flag tonight looking forward to it and i'll be a little bit late getting on voluntary reaction i suppose but i know you and davy will get things started yes and actually on a on a programming note about vr uh if you're wanting to tune in immediately after the game look for uh we'll be going live from the fox sports knoxville Twitter ah, account. There you go. The, the fan run central will will get you started. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I'll be in there and I'm putting my big win streak on, on the line. I cannot remember the last UT sporting event loss I was in attendance for. It might have been 
the North Carolina game in 20 really 19 20, maybe 2018 when they played up here remember as I think what it was a that's, that's a pretty damn good run Russ it is pretty good now I I don't go a ton because of volunteer reaction and all that but when I do I mean I went to one football game this year it was Florida went to three baseball games last year won them all went to three basketball games last year Arizona and mm-hmm. not like not just the easy ones Arizona Kentucky Arkansas last year were my basketball games won them all so good luck Russ is in the building tonight you're welcome ladies and gentlemen you you better you better bring us some luck Russ we desperately need a win yeah desperately and saying that with the uh, number one hottest team in college basketball rolling in here tonight. Maybe it is a big ask for us, but we need to win. Well, balls are – I haven't checked since earlier this morning, but we're a three-point favorite earlier today. That's insane. <laughs> so, apparently, I saw Triple J is definitely out. That's what it sounds like. I think Rod Clark said that Yeah, media gathering today. And that – Phillips uh, is a game time decision. Jules Phillips will be a a game time with a tight hip flexor is how it was described. Well, I think that if we need Phillips more than Triple J. If we if I had to choose one, and I even if both are unable to go, I, I, I still think Tennessee is going to play well tonight. I still think they have a good chance tonight. I just think that Phillips is our best matchup for Miller tonight. He, he, he might be the only matchup we have for Brandon Miller tonight. So I think from a defensive standpoint, it would be good to have him out there. Um, even if they don't have him, man, I'm looking forward to – I want to see what Tyreek Key can do. I, th- I think he's turned a corner. I think Barnes not asking him to play the point has allowed him to blossom and for him to be him on the offensive end. I I think that's been the key. And two good games in a row for him. I think they'll need a third tonight. I said yesterday, I think we got to make 10 threes tonight in order to win. Wow. And so it's been a while since we've made 10 threes. Actually, did did we? I think we did it against Missouri. Yeah, we might have done it Saturday. You know who didn't do it? It hasn't been a while. Who didn't make 10 threes? Who? Mizzou last night. Oh, They got blistered. Shot twenty. They shot twenty-two percent from three. Go figure. I mean, that's the deal with them, though, man. If they're on, they're going to be almost you know they're going to be incredibly hard to beat. And if they're not, you'll pound their eyes. I mean, they live and die with the three. Just uh, super streaky. Yeah, I mean, I I had to like double check that a couple of times when first saw that score because I wasn't watching the game. I just looked at it on the the ESPN app. It's like what. Auburn taking Mizzou to the woodshed. Did not see that coming. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. So, Josiah's out. Josiah is out, excuse me. Um, Phillips, game-time decision. For Alabama, Betty Ako is a game-time decision as well. He is their big seven-foot rim protector, rebounder defensive guy that'd be a big loss for them he's a tip tip time tip off time decision that's what it sounds like so big game tonight 
over at the arena. Of course, voluntary reaction as soon as it's over. And hopefully, Bear, I've had the keg of glory in my beer fridge for a long time now. And for whatever reason, we, we haven't just have been, tap, been, been able to tap that thing. I want to go on a Wednesday night keg of glory bender. Just be blacked out by midnight on glory. Yeah. And it'll be glorious if, if we're able to pull this off for us. It will be. Somebody asked on Twitter, should we rush the court with no. beat Alabama? No. 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 You're better than that, Tennessee fans. Ain't no need to rush the court. Act like you've been there before. I don't rush the court anymore. Five wins in a row against AP top ten opponents in Thompson Bowling Arena. Our record's not good against number one. I think we're like five and twelve or five and fourteen all time. That's actually pretty good, is it? Well, yeah, five and twelve against number one. Like generally, number one. I demand uh, excellence, Russ. I don't I, know about you. I, I don't know about you, Bear, but number one usually means there's nobody better than you. So typically, number one is going to win. <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat. Five times we beat number one. That's that's pretty good odds, man. I feel like I can live with those. All right. The Rick Barnes approval rating has settled in around 85% this afternoon, over 1,400 votes cast. Which pretty much falls in line with what you always say. That, it's very strong. Know, Twitter's not real life. It's very strong. You know, there's just a very vocal, vocal minority yep. of the fan base. That's why when you don't understand things. Well, and when people start asking – you know, I, I will entertain the Barnes succession plan discussion. He's 68 years old. Like, we can we can talk about when he's going to hang it up and what Tennessee should do afterwards. It's just when people say, well, we got to fire him. We got to move on. Like, no. that That's the conversation we don't entertain because no. that's stupid. That's in La La La. First of all, he's got a $25 million buyout. So, it's not – financially, it's not going to happen. Second of all, he's really well-liked. But he doesn't win in March. He doesn't do this. He doesn't win all the games. Like, okay, I get it. Just because you doesn't you just because you doesn't like him, just because you don't like him, doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't. And I mean everybody. Eighty five percent approval rating. Yeah. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I said very vocal minority. Fourteen percent disapprove, one percent strongly disapprove. Nate. Jamie, Phil, Nate, Adam, Hodges. Yeah, he's a basher. Yeah, rough look. Hate to see it. Yeah. Say it ain't so, Nate. Coach Hodges. Say it ain't so, Coach. My God, Graham Potter looking good in the pea coat with the with the leather boots. Very, very British. Never had a more British looking soccer coach than Graham Potter. Or sounding. Graham Potter. Nice to meet you. Watching a little Champions League in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios this afternoon. Let's go Dorchester. My uh, Chelsea boys going for number three. The road begins today. Uh, if you had to go one and one this week, which game would you rather win yesterday? It's a final now. 67% of fan-run poll respondents say they would rather see Tennessee win tonight against number one Alabama than Saturday at Kentucky, if, if you can only win one. We'd all like to see them win both. But if you had to choose, Tennessee fans, by a two-thirds majority, would like to see Tennessee win tonight against the number one team in the country. That's got a sting. That's got a sting for our brethren north of the border who always tell us that the Kentucky game is, quote, 
our Super Bowl? No, it's 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 really not. Well, I mean, do we really have Super Bowl? I mean, like, there's certain uh, Gonzaga, Arizona game was big. I would I would say that the Kentucky series defines Tennessee basketball. It's the de- definitive oh, rivalry sure. of, of of Tennessee basketball. But um, that's my measuring stick for whether or not we've had a successful season is how we do against them. Oh, see, that needs to change. That needs to change. But like it's, it's um, they are our biggest rival. There, there's no doubt about that. I just think that. Um, see, it's you. You can't think that way, Bear Man. We we got to move beyond that. That that's how. That's I mean, the just difference. How it was. I mean, that's the, the most important two games on the schedule to me are here. Well, the and, the most important's got to be the NCAA tournament. If you want to have success. In, in that postseason, that, that's the way they think. That's the way Kentucky thinks. That's the way Carolina Duke thinks. That's the way the Blue Bloods think. That's the way Michigan State thinks. That's the way the programs that have success think. And um, I, I don't know how you change that and, and get, to, get it to where it needs to be, but that's where it needs to be, man. We've been Kentucky enough. We've been there. We've done that. I've seen that movie. I like it. I want to see it again. I'll keep watching. I mean, it, it's the I'll Shawshank Redemption. It comes and, on. You know, I'll watch it every time. It's I, Tombstone, I, buddy. I'll, I'll stop there. Oh. Got your knee, watch. didn't you? Oh. Yeah. Oh. That happens. Word, word to the wise, Chloe. You got to be oh. careful with your knees. Oh. What just that's happened? A, that's, a, that's a Cress and Hodges what? special over there, buddy. Oh. I can't feel my knee right now, dude. <laughs> How just... they built that thing time stops i'm sorry i'm that sorry that's that's terribly unprofessional but i just tell you it's wow. the most excruciating kneecapping you can get is here in the fan run studio oh my god it reminds me of a couple of years ago i was walking through my darkened house at night and my kid had left like a balloon it was like lying on the on the ground and i just like absentmindedly like kicked his like midnight and it was next to a coffee table, and I just kicked coffee table with like my toe, my bare foot. Oh. I was positive that every toe was broken in my entire foot. You just curl up in a ball and start crying. I just crying, just like oh, middle of the night. Oh, wife wakes up. What's happening? A home invasion? I called nine one one. No, I kicked the table and I got a boo boo. It hurts really bad. It really hurt, man. That really hurt. Oh my god. Okay, get some feeling back now. So we got Blake Topmeyer coming back uh, to the program, join the festivities. We'll get his thoughts on Tennessee's chances. Get his thoughts on Tennessee's chances. Martin, whatever you're doing with the phone, man, you got to figure this out. This is driving us crazy here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Yeah, he's up to like either that or or, or just hold off until that second segment. And then like something, his phone doesn't work between like three and three thirty. Is yeah. There. Oh man! So uh, Top Meyer will be with us here in just a few minutes to talk football, basketball, and whatever else is on his mind. And then hopefully Martin's phone will be working. We can talk to him. Guarantee that's Martin. Eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Your number to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines five four six eighty two hundred. We'll take a quick time out. And continue with Blake Topmeyer, your Knoxville News Sentinel, coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. 
Welcome back. The Drive continues. Fan Run Radio. Russ LaBear cruising with you on a Wednesday afternoon edition of the show. And we go for the first time today to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where Blake Topmeyer of USA Today, your Knoxville News Sentinel, standing by. Good afternoon, Blake. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You guys? Doing well, man. We got basketball fever here in Knoxville. And um, I know you're covering mostly football these days, but uh, as any good sports fan does you're watching some college hoops this time of year what are your thoughts on Tennessee's chances against number one Alabama at the arena tonight this sounds familiar where have I heard this before Blake you know if, if we're basing this on uh, Tennessee's recent uh, recent past year I guess I'm not, not real optimistic for for Tennessee and in some ways it feels like they found their traditional March form a month early oh you know, with, with three losses in the last four games I mean it's Frankly, I think fans were were worried about Tennessee for a while just because of some of the offensive limitations we saw in a few games. Um, but they they've been one of the, the the nation's best defensive teams consistently. Um, but yet we saw the offense, you know, the lack of offense trip them up and, against Florida and Vanderbilt, and um, and then they just dug themselves a, a hole against Missouri. I also think we're seeing some youthful mistakes, um, you know, by Tennessee and and some some key moments. Down, down the stretch here in, in a couple games. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think, you know, if Tennessee's functioning at its best, it, it, it feels like a team that has, like, Elite Eight potential. Um, but we've seen this play out before, and, and frankly, I've seen, I think we've seen this play out with better Tennessee teams than this one that uh, have faded at, at the end of the season. And, and you know, maybe maybe this is just a hiccup and, and Tennessee – um, kind of reaccelerates here down down the stretch, but it's it's been a little bit of a bad sign here the last couple of weeks. I think it has. Uh, Tennessee's a three point favorite tonight, Blake. I don't know if um, you know this, this is one of the more puzzling lines. Sometimes it can be a fool's errand to figure out what Vegas is thinking, but they generally have their reasons. Uh, it's one of the more surprising betting lines I've seen in well any sport here recently involving the Volunteers. Yeah, I think um, you know. I mean, this, despite Tennessee's recent stumbles, I mean, two of the three were were on the road, right? So, um, I, I guess that probably plays into it to some degree. And I also think, uh, you know, from a from a gambling perspective, when it, when a team is is struggling, I think your natural reaction, like I'm doing right here in this segment, is is to fade to fade that struggling team. Um, and 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 I think you know, oftentimes in, in the betting world. Uh, courses can can reverse quite quite quickly so yeah i you know it, I, i'd say just the observer in me would have would have guessed that that line would have been a few points in, in alabama's direction but uh maybe maybe this is uh an opportunity to to take uh to take the balls pound pound that fishy line and and uh you know as they say sometimes when when something looks fishy in vegas you should yeah. you should jump on it well, and um you know the one win Tennessee has had in the previous four games against Missouri uh, or against Auburn Mm -hmm. and you know that Missouri team that came in here and won on Saturday goes down to Auburn last night and lays an egg just gets destroyed by the Tigers so go figure I mean it's we we see this in football a lot right just when you think you have the answers they go and change the questions well yeah and and I also think you know last year I felt pretty good about the SEC I thought it was a you know, pretty, pretty strong league. Arkansas was was functioning, you know, at a much higher level the past couple seasons than they are now. I feel like the SEC has has come back to the pack some, and I think there's 
a fair bit of mediocrity in the conference. I'm curious to see how much of that shows up in March. Uh, you know, I'm curious how concerning that, that should be for Tennessee. I mean, this was a league that, as we know, you know, six or seven years, <clears throat> six or seven years ago was honestly a bit of a joke in basketball. I mean, it was, it was functioning behind leagues such as like the Atlantic 10 and, and it got more serious. I think about its hiring practices for coaches. It, it brought some more talent um, on the bench and into the league. And we've seen the last few years, I think a, a real uptick in both in terms of number of teams in, in the NCAA tournament and, and teams ability uh, to go on a deep, go on a deep run. I mean, that hasn't always applied to Tennessee, but we've seen others, um, you know, make deeper tournament runs. I just, I don't know. I, I have some concerns about the strength of, of the conference this year. Auburn's not as good as they've, they've been in, in some of Bruce Pearl's best seasons. I, I, I think this Tennessee team, like I said, has some potential. I don't think this is Barnes' best team. However, Arkansas has, has come back to the pack. And, uh, and right now, Alabama's sort of carrying the torch for, for the league. We'll, I think we'll get a glimpse of you know, just how true that is, just how strong – um, Alabama is tonight, and, and whether they really do have you know the Final Four national championship type potential, I think this is a good test for for Alabama. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today, with us here this afternoon on the drive, and Blake shifting gears to football. The big news this week: Mike Bobo back in a big role in this conference. He is the new offensive coordinator at Georgia, replacing Todd Munkin, who goes back to the NFL to take over the offense with the Ravens. What do you think about this, Blake? Is this a step back, step forward, lateral move for Georgia? How do you see it? I think it's hard to say it's not a step back. Um, I, I think, you know, shy of hiring you know, maybe a, a few different people, I don't know how it couldn't be a step back. I think Todd Monken was a coordinator who, who deserved a lot of the praise he got and, and frankly probably should have got a little bit more the past few years. I mean, he took what was a middling Georgia offense when he arrived and made it uh, one of the best offenses in the league. You know, this past year, Georgia was the only team in college football that ranked both in the top 10 for passing offense and for rushing offense. Um, you know, the passing game really came a long way under Monk. And so it was, it was going to be hard to hire anyone, I think, that, that didn't feel like a step back. But you know, this was, for as much as the Todd Monk and hire was bold, I, I thought, you know, getting a guy who had not been retained not really through any fault of his own, but the Cleveland Browns staff had changed over, so he was looking for work. And, um, you know, Kirby Smart hired someone whom he never worked with before in Todd Monk. And that's, that's atypical for coaches to do. As we know, coaches are like a lot of industries. They hire who they know. Uh, so many times, you know, it's someone who's been an assistant for him before, or they, maybe they were assistants together somewhere along the line. That wasn't true with Kirby Smart and Todd Monk. They never worked together before. Uh, I thought it was a bold choice bringing him in, and, and it really paid off. But for as much as that hire was bold, I feel like this hire is bland, right? I mean, Mike Bobo, he's always found his way onto SEC staffs for a reason. I think he's a he's a respected recruiter. He was instrumental in developing quarterbacks at, at Georgia uh, during the Mark Richt era. But I feel like the, the, the zenith of, of Mike Bobo's career was like a decade ago, right? I mean, when, when he was – um, Mark Rick's right-hand man, and then he became the coach at Colorado State. It started better than it ended, and he had failed stints as offensive coordinator at, at South Carolina and Auburn. Now he's going to be blessed with a lot more riches at Georgia. He does keep the system in place as someone who is an offensive analyst this past year for Todd Monken. He can kind of keep 
uh, you know, keep that offense going. Uh, and there's something to be said for his quarterback development skills and the fact that Georgia is transitioning from Stetson Bennett to very likely Carson Beck. So I do think, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, there are some reasons to feel optimistic about this hire. But the glass half empty look at it is the fact that, like I said, I mean, you, you can't deny the pinnacle of Mike Bobo's career up until this point um, occurred 10 years ago. This is this is not someone who's on a, on a coaching heater, so to speak. Blake Topmeyer with us this afternoon on your Big Orange Phillies phone lines. And Blake, so that, that's the news this week with uh, some, some coordinator changes. Last week, the news we'd been waiting for some time, Texas and Oklahoma are able to get out of the Big 12 a year early. They'll be in the SEC uh, next year, 2024. So we, we know the answer to that question. Now we're all just waiting on a scheduling format. Do you think it'll be the three permanent opponents and nine ro- or uh, six rotators? Um, and when do you think we'll know the answer to that question? I think we could get the answer at spring meetings in Destin, which occurs the last week of, of May, spilling into the, the first week of, of June. Um, that's usually an opportunity for the conference to vote on big issues is that that gathering of presidents and chancellors uh, after there's discussion with football coaches and ADs that presidents and chancellors come in and vote on topics uh, at the end of those spring meetings. So I think that's an opportunity uh, about three and a half months from now that we could get this approved. And I, and I do think that most of the momentum is behind a nine game scheduling model. There are still some holdouts uh, on that, but I, I think the nine game is going to win out overall. Um, partially because I think the expanded playoff helps usher in this nine-game conference schedule. I think when it was the BCS era and the four-team playoff, the SEC's argument was, why do we need to expand past eight conference games? That, that's an approach that worked incredibly well for the SEC, especially as it came to producing teams for the BCS national championship game and the college football playoff in the 14 in the model. But as we shift to a 12-team playoff model with six at-large bids, I think strength of schedule is going to become really important, you know, as you decide between some of those final uh, teams for at-large bids. If you've got two teams that are 9-3 that are and three, uh, and one team comes from a conference that played nine conference games plus a marquee non-conference game, so 10 of your 12 games are against the, are against the big kids, uh, and then you're in the SEC and you're still playing an eight-game conference schedule, I think that could backfire on you as you're looking for one of the final at-large bids. So I think there's some incentive there to go to nine games. I also think there's some incentive. Uh, the SEC almost certainly is going to try to squeeze more out of its deal, its media rights deal with ESPN. And I think ESPN, with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas, uh, could be agreeable to that. But as in any negotiation, both sides are going to want a little something, right? And so if you're the media rights partner, if you're ESPN, and the SEC is coming to you and saying, hey, we need a little bit more money because we've just made our conference better and more appealing with Texas and Oklahoma, then I think your media rights partner can come back to you and say, okay, well, you got to give me something. And what's the obvious something? It would be replacing a game against the likes of a Ball State or an Akron with an additional conference game. So I, I do think that when all is said and done, when the votes are cast, probably you know here in a few months, I, I do think we're going to see approval of a nine-game conference schedule. And I think the, the likelihood is that it will be that model that's been discussed with three rivals um, for each team, and then and then you play the other each of the other six in alternating years. So, from Tennessee's perspective, it sounds like 
Blake, that there's a lot of momentum towards the the three permanent opponents being Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Um, that's what it seems like you're hearing from a lot of the people that cover Tennessee. I'm sure they're getting that from Tennessee sources. But then when I when I read you know more regional slash national writers, I see a lot of momentum for. Well, yeah, you got to preserve the third Saturday in October, and I guess it makes sense for Tennessee and Vandy to play since it's in state. But uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, nobody wants to see that. I see a lot of momentum for you know keeping the Florida series going and and harder opponents. Um, how do you see this shaking out? Because for me, like I definitely see Tennessee wanting to play. If you're going to play Alabama, you get Kentucky and Vanderbilt. That's a that's a pretty good trade, I would say. And from from Kentucky's perspective, like Tennessee is probably their biggest football rival or their biggest football game that's on their schedule every year so I would see why they would want to keep that as well could could the volunteers really be that lucky to get the Wildcats and the Commodores to go along with Alabama I think that's probably the likeliest outcome I I think that's what folks uh, inside the building at Tennessee would would hope happens of course because it means getting Kentucky and Vanderbilt every year I, I don't know that I totally buy the argument that because Tennessee you know, is going to be paired with Alabama, that they need to get both Vanderbilt and Kentucky. I think they need to get one of one of the two, for sure. Uh, but if you look at Auburn, you know, Auburn's going to have to play Alabama every year, too. Um, and Auburn, almost certainly, though, is going to be paired with Georgia, because Georgia's this number two rival. It's, it's not like they're going to feed Auburn two cupcakes uh, just because Auburn's going to have to play Alabama every year. And I think, you know, you could see Auburn and Tennessee – sort of on a, on a similar tier uh, within the conference pecking order. Auburn obviously won a national championship more recently. Um, but I think if you, you're looking over the course of like the last 40 years, I, I think, you know, Auburn and, and Tennessee are on a, on a similar uh, plane. So if, if Auburn's got to play two, two tough opponents plus a cupcake, um, I, I don't see why you couldn't give, you know, Tennessee somebody other than Kentucky and, and Vanderbilt, just from a competitive balance sake, I, I think you could do that. Um, I, I do think it's probably likeliest, though, that Tennessee ends up with Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. But uh, I've got a, a column I put out uh, just this week. Uh, you can probably find it easiest over at knoxnews.com. Um, and I actually went in a different direction on my latest model. Um, there was a previous model I put out last year that did have Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt for Tennessee. But in my latest attempt here, I've got Alabama, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina as the third model uh, or as the third rival for Tennessee. And I know, you know, historically you'd say you have to play Kentucky. They've met 118 times. That's, that's, that's the most Tennessee has played any opponent. That's also the most Kentucky's played any opponent. Okay, but if we're just, are we just going to keep this going for history's sake, for longevity's sake? I mean, Kentucky's only beat Tennessee three times since 1985. It's been a, it's been a ridiculously lopsided series. Um, whereas South Carolina and, and Tennessee, I feel like, has, has gotten spicy in the last two decades. Uh, you see the fans chirping at each other all the time on social social media now. Uh, you know, really, I mean, it's kind of gone back and forth the, the last 20 years, really. And not just back and forth, but they've been really competitive games. So, I don't know. The more time goes and the more we see that, that Tennessee has found a pulse, under Josh Heupel, I think, why do they have to get Kentucky and, and Vanderbilt? Why, why, can't, why can't there be a swap in there of, of South Carolina or Florida uh, in place of, of Kentucky? I, I know, you know you're losing some of the history there, uh, but does any Tennessee fan, when, when, you, when you get at the start of the season and you say, what are, what are your one or two games you're most excited about this year? 
how many times in the last 30 years has a Tennessee fan said, you know what? It's a Kentucky game. That's the one I'm most excited about this year. Not many years, I think, have Tennessee fans said that. So if, if, it, if it is someone like South Carolina or Florida instead of Kentucky as a third rival, I, I actually think that that could make for a more exciting, a slightly more challenging, but a more exciting schedule for Tennessee. You know, we, we focus so much on the three opponents, right, Blake, that we forget about the other side of that equation, yeah. which is going to be the six. And whenever they announce that, assuming this is the way it's headed, the 3-6 model, I'm sure – you know, somebody will feel like they're getting screwed over and somebody will feel like they've gotten a, a, a pretty fair cut or maybe even a, a great a great road as far as the three permanent opponents are. But um, with the with the six rotators as opposed to one, the way it is now for for the other you know, seven teams on the other side of the divisional setup, which is going away. You're going to be playing everybody, I think, what, every every two years or, or something That's like right. that. That's right. And it's, it's such a great point because you're, you're, you're ahead of the game here. You're exactly right. There's going to be an absolute meltdown within like three or four fan bases whenever whenever the rivals get assigned. They're going to say they got jobs. The SEC's out to get them by signing them with these, these rivals. But really, I think most years when you look at the totality of the schedule and you say here's Team A's nine conference opponents this year – Here's Team B's nine conference opponents this year. I think they're going to be pretty balanced. That, I mean, that's just it. Like, if, if Georgia, Alabama, or LSU, uh, for a random team out there, if that's not your rival, well, guess what? You're still playing Georgia, Alabama, LSU every other year. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's going to be a lot of focus and emphasis, um, especially within fan bases, on well, who who are the three rivals that the that, that are assigned, and, and how did the conference, um, you know, stick it to my team by by assigning these rivals? Well, number one, I think as you actually draw this up, um, and I would encourage fans to try to do this, like actually do it as an exercise. Actually do this where you have three rivals for every team. It's not as easy as you think, and you do yeah. have to make concessions in some areas. So that's number one. But number two, I would encourage people. To think of it as a nine-game conference schedule and look at it in a competitive balance from from that standpoint, and I think that you will find in most years your average schedule, your nine-game average schedule in the conference, compares pretty evenly um, with with most other most other teams. I mean, Auburn may be the one getting the short end of the stick. Sure. I mean, if it's, they're 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 going to be the ones that have to play Alabama and Georgia every year, which I know. Things are cyclical and things change in college football, but you know, do you really want Alabama and Georgia on, on your schedule every year for the next decade? Probably not. That's probably a little tough. Auburn's used to it. They've been doing it for years. Um, but I would say if anybody has a gripe of, of maybe uh, getting getting hit on the chin there, it might be Auburn, which is why I think why I think Auburn's third rival ought to be Vanderbilt. Don't know that it will be. I think if, if you're going to have them play Alabama, Alabama and Georgia every year, Throw him a bone and give him Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking too. If if anybody has a claim, like if, if yeah. they're going to have Georgia and Alabama, which are historic rivals that nobody wants to see uh, go away, then if anybody has a claim to playing Vanderbilt, which is really sad if you're a Vanderbilt fan, but uh, it would be Auburn, I would say. So, Blake, good stuff, my friend. Uh, college football, SEC. There is no off season ever. Always something to talk about with Blake Topmeyer of USA Today. Thanks, man. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Blake Topmeyer on your Big Orange Phillies phone lines. You check them out 
online at BigOrangePhillies.com. They'll have the UT game on tonight. 7 p.m. tip against Alabama. And I saw Big Orange Phillies had a nice write-up in the News Sentinel today. The, the Grub Scout went out there. Yeah, the Grub Scout apparently uh, got a Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I haven't dug was too deep into it. Singing their praises. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. I was out there. Yeah, couple we never, of we never talked about that. I, I, I was with the, uh, the Friday before the last night. I start getting random texts about a bear sighting at Big Orange Phillies, and I'm like, no, nah, that's got to be, it's gonna be somebody who looks like bear or something. Like, no, it's not, it's not my guy out by himself on a Friday night. I went out and met. Uh, it's uh, one of my dearest friends. Okay, Dano and his wife Lasamia. Nice. And apparently they are regulars they love big orange fillies well who doesn't that's their spot so it's kind of close to their house and i i we need a report on uh what you had did you eat uh i took food home with me it, it's gonna sound uh did you eat yeah i took food home with i, I got my food to go was it good oh yeah it was incredible what'd you have uh, philly cheesesteak <laughs> I'm not the like, I'm the guy that goes to a uh, place trying, called uh, Big trying Orange to lead Philly. you here. We're talking about a. This is where you talk about how awesome the sponsor was and how great the food was and how good a time you had and how everybody should go. Uh, I was before you started question. I had a. I, it was a. It was a very pleasant evening. Everybody was incredibly friendly. All right, we got, we got to work on the plugs. Our server yeah, service to, was great. We got to work on the plugs here, buddy. It's not bad. It's not bad. I was just saying a little, a little more. A little more oomph, a little more enthusiasm. I love Big Orange Philly. I love the wings. That's what I would get if I were going tonight. But I can't tonight because I'll be in attendance with my win streak. Carrying the Big Orange to victory. Thing better, thing better, be, better be going tonight, Russ. Yep. yep, we'll see. Stay with us. The Drive continues. Fan Run Radio. Wednesday afternoon edition of the show continues after this. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Blake Topmeyer of USA Today. Mayor, what did you learn? Uh, I mean, the really interesting thing going forward is that conversation right at the end we got into about the, you know, your three permanent opponents. And just because he, he hit the nail on the head. He, he called it on a lot of things. Like, if we're all being honest, everybody's going to think that they got screwed. I don't think Tennessee gets screwed at all. If if, if it's Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt, oh, we're going to be getting some haterade. Danny White deserve go ahead and build the statue. I would just love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations because you know when Greg Sankey's like, "All right, Danny, I get it. You want to play Kentucky and Vanderbilt," and then Danny has to shift into like salesman mode. He's like, "No, no, you don't understand. Kentucky's had two ten win seasons the last." couple of years they've beaten us a couple of times they're really good i mean they're a strong program they're one of the most strong programs in the sec the past couple of years uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's uh, one Tennessee's of the tennessee's beaten them like 38 times out of the last 40 years it's that it's a regional rival it's a border rivalry come on man well i mean it's it's one of the oldest historical rivalries yeah. in the conference yeah can't I have to do it like SEC, that. I mean, Danny's just stating facts, Russell. SEC can't do without Tennessee, Kentucky, and football every year. I mean, that's a rivalry. Like when the executives at CBS see that on the schedule, they're, they're like, 
Yeah, you better believe, 3.30. Has it ever been a 3.30 CBS game? Kentucky-Tennessee? I don't think it has, has it? Was it a couple of years ago when we beat them? When they came in here with their best team ever? Might have been. Knocked like three or four of them out? Yeah, I'm sure it has been once or twice. But I'm sarcastic. Generally speaking, no, that's not – That's not a, a a big one. It's big to them, though. Uh, they want to talk about Kentucky being Tennessee basketball's Super Bowl or every year. It's like, dude, come on. Now. First of all, no. Second of all, you need Tennessee a lot more in football than than we need you. I mean, we need you because you're an automatic W. Like, is, but it is you know, Kentucky is not a big game to Tennessee fans in, in football. It is the game to them in football. Like you ask Kentucky fans. What game do you most want to win next year on your schedule? It ain't going to be Florida. It ain't going to be whoever they've got out of. I mean, they could be playing LSU. They could be playing Bama out of the. It's not Georgia. They want to beat us. Yeah. You know what's wild? We talked about this on. It came up on Monday. This may be the last time uh, we play in Gainesville for a while this season. Because the new stuff. I mean, yeah. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in here the next year. It's fine with me, man. Fine with me, too, but, man, that's why we can uh, – I, I really don't squander this opportunity. Go down there, smash their damn face in down there, and then you give them the Irish goodbye, and then we don't have to see them. We don't have to go back down there for a while. We'll own, we'll own the swamp. Let's go to the phones, 865-546-8200. Your number to get on, the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, and we'll start with Diablo. Good afternoon, Diablo. It's going to be one of the few times that the uh, conference history is going to be in our benefit because I have an pro- I don't have a program in front of me, guys, but I would say traditionally and historically, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Alabama are probably the most games of, of opponents we've played the most in our in our football history. Then you think about Georgia with Auburn and Florida. You know, listen, history's kind of in our favor this time. History is, and I, I do go back to what I told Blake, is, look, people are going to really focus on the three portion of the 6-3 format with, and not look at the six. I mean, you say we're not going to play in the swamp. They'll play down there eventually. Like, it's going to be once every four years, I would imagine, you're, gonna, you're going to visit every SEC venue. So it's not like – you're never going to play at, at all these places. You're going to play at them more, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, but that permanent opponent, you know, if, if politics are, are, are involved, we could really get the screw job put to us. And that's why I'm, it's important that history is actually a, a kind of in our corner for once. If you, get, if you get Vanderbilt as one of your three, is there any situation in where you, quote, unquote, get the screw job? Uh, depends on the other two, actually. I mean, if we but gave us Alabama. Even, even if it's Alabama and Georgia, if your third is Vanderbilt and you've got that built-in W every single season, as long as you've got a competent coach, can you really complain? I mean, you can. You, you can anybody right? can complain, sure. but you, can you legitimately complain? Like, really, with a leg to stand on? Or are people just going to look at you like, dude, your other – you know, you know, I mean, let me ask you this. You, th- you, think, you think Auburn would take uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt in football every year instead of Georgia? I think anybody would. 
<laughs> Absolutely. See, that's where and but and that's exactly right, guys. That's where history's against them because that's the oldest rivalry in the South, well, Auburn yeah, and Georgia. So. And they're obviously going to keep the Iron Bowl, and the, and they're going to keep that one. And I would imagine, you know, Auburn fans, they're probably having the same debate we had. It's died down the past year or so since Tennessee got better, but the you know there were a lot of people who were saying it's time for the third Saturday in October to go away. Yeah. And that we didn't need to be playing Alabama every year, and that it was a huge disadvantage. You haven't heard much of that talk since Tennessee beat them, but I still think it's a huge disadvantage. I'm I'm sure Auburn is having that debate internally within their own fan base. I'm I'm sure there are a couple of people who's like, do we really need to be playing Georgia every year now? I mean, just because yeah, I mean because they, they have to they have to play the Iron Bowl. I mean, see, number it, I mean it's the Iron Bowl. That and there's no way the network would give up, and a lot of this is is too is I mean you I don't think the network's going to want to allow them to not play Georgia because it's a marquee game. From that, if that I'm end, the Auburn Athletics Director, I am standing on top of the hill saying, "Look, we will play Georgia and Alabama, but we got you got to give us Vandy." Oh you have yeah, to. Like, yeah. That, that's the that's, that's the, the only sand. thing that's fair is is that has to be the third team. Guys, Guys, who's Georgia's other two opponents going to be if we already have Auburn locked in with them? Who do you think the other two would be? Well, obviously Florida. Yeah, I agree. And then they'll probably have South Carolina, I would imagine. I, I saw what – I'm pretty sure that was what I saw. They've got a nice little rivalry, Georgia and South Carolina do. Well, yeah, it's a border. They've, they've had some good games. Remember South Carolina won in there a couple yeah, of years ago? Yeah, they won and, when they shouldn't have won. Yeah generally a pretty close game yeah hey shifting gears what do we know about the uh game tonight as far as personnel on the injury wise do we know who's playing who's who's staying out jojo's out triple j not see him tonight um it's what rod clark was speaking this morning maybe at the tip-off club i think um and he also said julian phillips will be a game time decision i imagine they're going to see how he looks in warm-ups and make a decision. Which tells from you there. that he's probably not hitting at a hundred percent, which is mystifying. How how are we with two starters out, a three point favorite? <laughs> it's a mystery. I, I I really don't know. It, it is one of the more perplexing gambling lines I've ever seen. I, yesterday on the show, I think I said I thought it would be a four or five point line in Alabama's favor. Yeah, no, and I was yeah. like, I was baffled on. Uh, I guess it was Monday when uh, I sat in with Talk Sports and Reed was like, "Yeah, we're a one and a half point favorite." Thought he was crazy. That's crazy. And think about that. That means the lines jumped another point and a half. Yeah, with two starters out potentially. <laughs> Diablo, we got to run, man. Appreciate it. All right, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Stay with us. Hour number two of The Drive coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio.